Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I think this has been a good series. What do you think? You know, I've been saying this over and over, and I want to say it again. I listen to people, and I'm just talking inside the church, those who claim to be followers of Christ. We tend to look out, and I hear people, if you will, reacting in fear with great concern. And and let me share with you, I believe that right now what's going on in our nation is one of the greatest opportunities we have of being a follower of Jesus. Light shines best in the darkness. What is it about Christians that we pray for our comfort rather than God's conviction and recognizing the fact that this place that we call home is one day going to completely be destroyed. That's just about how good we are. Just keep that in mind. My Bible makes it very clear that this place we call home right now, planet earth will one day be completely destroyed and God's going to rebuild heaven then on earth. And we're going to return back to the garden. So let me just, again, say it one more time. This place we keep fighting for is not our home if you're a follower of Christ. If you spend more time trying to fix this, you need to understand that I have to to put in question, maybe you're not a follower of Christ because the Bible says my name has been written in a book. The government rests on his shoulders He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory still rests of his incredible countenance. The train of his robe still fills the temple. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the the end. And one day we will be with him forever. And this isn't it. Now that doesn't mean we don't give up on this, but listen to this. I'm not trying to fix planet Earth. I'm not trying to get back to the freedom of our constitution because my Bible already has one written. I'm going to do everything I can to be a part of the redemption process to redeem as many as we can, watch Jesus do what only Jesus can do, that one day we'll be together with him in glory. That's the gospel. If you struggle with that, I'm just here to church. I'm just here to say, you probably were changed by church but you've yet to be redeemed by Christ. That's a fact, folks. You, you, don't, you can get mad at me. You can do what Americans are really good. Well, I'm just going to find a church that tells me what I want to hear. And they're out there. There are many of those. And you can sit comfortable, come when you want, call yourself a Christian, everything will be hunky-dory, but God's going to look you at the eye and say, why did you let your neighbor go to hell? That day's coming. God doesn't care about your comfort. He doesn't care about your IRAs and all of that stuff and your retirement and your process and your stuff. That's not in the Bible that I read. What he said is I saved you and I want to know why your salvation wasn't good enough that you can't help someone else understand what you claim to have. That's over and over. And folks, these are good days. Some people go, well, this is hard preaching. No, it's not. It's only hard because we've drifted so far away. This is basic, flat out gospel stuff. Jesus died on the cross because you and I, we're going to hell. We'll never be good enough. We deserve hell. But because of his incredible grace and love for us, he gave up his life, built a bridge that you and I could not build and said, would you like to cross it? And if you raised your hand and said, yes, he said, then you got to die so I can be resurrected in you and begin to show the world what love's really about. That's exactly what it was. If you think you can cross the bridge, good luck. You ain't Jesus. There's only one who knew no sin, but he became our sin. And that should change us. That should change us. See, if you've tasted the sweet, liberating joy of his love, the Bible is crystal clear. You cannot hoard it. You cannot keep it to yourself. You have to share it. You have to share it. I mean, you know that bumper sticker where it says crap happens? Okay, how many have that on there? Don't, don't do that, okay. Right? But, but, but you know the one? In fact, it's a different word, right? 
But there's a better four-letter word that just happens to those people who really are followers of Christ. Love happens. It just happens. Look at 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not what? Okay, like, come on, this is our audience participate. I know that some of you are like mad right now, man. <laughs> you know, let's pray, then you can run to the door and get to somewhere else. Father, we just ask right now that you bless them, you know, wherever they go, in Jesus' name, amen. All right? And so uh, let, let's, just, let's just, I mean, I, I, I can tell you what you want to hear. I don't want to tell you what you want to hear. I want to tell you what the word of God says. You might go, well, that's your opinion of it. Well, then here's what I would ask. Instead of us doing what Satan wants us to do, how about you write me this week and we'll sit down, bring your Bible, and you show me what the Bible says. If you're going to say this is your opinion, then you come with yours. But to walk away is exactly what the devil wants. And right now, the devil is having his way in the American evangelical church. He's winning the war with God's people. There, I believe with Omar, there are more of people who raise their hands and say, I'm a follower of God, playing on the devil's team than they are in God's right now. I cannot believe the stuff that I'm reading. I can't believe the things that people are putting out on social media in the name of Jesus. I don't understand it. We're fighting the wrong war. We need to be on the victorious team. The battle's already been done. Now we get out and live as winners and lovers to the world. And so please hear this. Look at 1 John 4, it says, anyone who does not love, let me say again, anyone who does not love, love here being something you do outward, does not know God. That's in the Bible. If you don't love, you don't know him. Because the Bible says, for God is love. That's what he does. The Bible said, for God so loved the world, he did what? He gave outward focused. He never looked at himself in Philippians two and saw himself equality with God, something to be grasped. He didn't walk around and say, you know who I am. He didn't do that. He let people beat him. He let people crucify him because no greater love than this. You lay down your life. When you got to prove something, it's because you've yet to figure out who God is. But when you know who God is, there's nothing to prove. It's already been proved. All you get to go out now is live it, love it. For God so loved that he gave, he did, he loved. See, that's the natural byproduct of a person. That is a natural byproduct of a person entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. They love. They're outward-minded. They share the gospel kind of people. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Luke 13. Why don't you go to Luke 13, the gospel of Luke 13. If you have your, your app, go to the app and click on it. I'm going to be reading from the TNIV version. If you want to get close to that, you, you might want to go to the NIV or NLT. But as you go there, I want you to listen to this. I believe that this book, the Bible, the word of God is exactly that. The word of God. Let me say it again. I believe this is God's word. And every word in it, you can trust. People go, I don't hear God speak. Read it. It's right here. It's God's direct revelation to us. 66 books, 39 of the old, 27 of the new. It's real easy to memorize, okay? If you start with the New Testament, two plus seven is nine, all right? That's how I memorize this. 66, I could go on and on, both are divided, three, 39 books, three times nine is 27, you can do it any way you want, but there's 39 old, 27 new, and the Bible says this is God's breath. It's God's breath. You can taste it, you can smell it, you can touch it, you can hear it. Everything we need is right here. Everything we need for a marriage, for a family, for a nation, for a city, for friendships, for your finances. Everything in life is right here. It's it right here, the word of God. And so it's my hope that we will learn to get excited about every weekend when we come because we're gonna hear God. I'm not him, but we're gonna read the word of God, which is him. And we can trust it. 
And we can come because we can come with an open heart and an open mind because God is going to speak to us in and through his word. And so that being said, I'm going to invite you right now to hear God speak. Amen to that? Because he's going to speak to us. If you, if you want to listen, he's going to talk to you. And so what I want to do is we're going to start something new. I want you to look at the screen and let's read through it. And I'm going to come back and we're going to do it again, but let's read through it. Here's what it says. Okay. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart that I would not sin against it. This is David's Psalms, two key verses that David wrote. In the Bible, the only man in human history that God made sure it was in his word, he's a man after his own heart, God's heart. I won't be like David. I won't be a man after God's heart. Anybody else want to be David? I want to have a heart like David. Some of you, some of you don't. Okay. How many want to be like Judas? <laughs> okay. Come on. You're doing a real good job. Anyway. Um, uh-huh. All right. So I want to read it again, but I want us to be personal. I want us to be personal about it. And we're going to start doing this every week. So read it with me again. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart that I would not sin against it. Father, today, today we're going to talk about how do we keep from being a container of your love and how do we become a conduit of it? Because God, the Bible to me is crystal clear. You don't want us to be a reservoir of your love. You want us to be a river of it that people can come and drink. So the goal of a Christian is not to see how full of God we can become, but how our lives can overflow God to a world that desperately needs to see you, to hear you, to feel you, to know you, that they can experience what we claim that we have. For God, how can we say we experienced something and keep it to ourselves? My guess is we never experienced it. Might have had an emotional moment, but like the seed, it just didn't take root. God, you called us to be a seed that gets planted in deep soil and it would grow and produce fruit and that others could come and experience your love and grace. So God, we give you this time. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone says. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, I'm going to begin the 10th verse. Here's what it says. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. It was on a Sabbath, which many of you know, it's really here or there, but their Sabbath was on a Saturday, not on a Sunday. But on this particular one, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Let me just simply say this. This is a moment early in his ministry where his fame has been growing and people have been spreading the news and so they're gathering. So my guess is this is quite a crowd. So Jesus is teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, notice not Jesus, the Lord. You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, All his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. 
What I want to do is I want to continue on as we talk about rethink. What does it look like? We talked about building a bridge last week. So what does that bridge look like? How do we build that bridge to make sure that people can cross? So I'm going to give you four challenges, <clears throat> four challenges in how to live as a conduit, a river overflowing with his love. So if you have your notes, I want to encourage you to take them out, find a place to write. And here's the first one. We've said it many times over the years, but I really want to hit it again. You've got to learn to look around. Say it with me. Look around. Look at someone right now and say, look around. In fact, go ahead right now. Look around. Look around. Jesus said in John four, wake up and look around. See, I contend the church has been sleeping. What the church, think about it right now. What is the church until you rest in that and figure it out? Is the church about you? Maybe some of you think it is. God gave me the church so I can come when it's convenient for me. I can sit comfortable and by, by all means, I'm looking for a church that keeps it within an hour. Please hear this. It's the number one complaint that we hear from God's people. I just want you to think about that for a moment. It's the Sabbath day. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's the very second one after God said, I am the Lord God. I'll have no other gods before me. And the very next one he talks about is keep the Sabbath day holy. Of all the Ten Commandments, the one he writes about the most. Of course, there's Christians today that say, well, but the Old Testament's gone, which then means that you're your understanding of Jesus is now heretical because the Bible says the Lord God changeth not, but you just made him change. So if the Old Testament is gone, therefore the God of the Old Testament is no longer the God of the New Testament, which means he's not the same. You've already got issues and holes in your own gospel and your own theology, which probably now is going to create problems. But I have a friend who I dearly love who simply says it this way. The Old Testament is the story of Jesus. The New Testament's the commentary of it. You take Jesus out of the Old Testament, you have no gospel. Because the entire God of the Old Testament in the New Testament, Jesus himself says, for God so loved that God even back in Adam and Eve in the garden, that God so loved that he sent me his only son. And so I find the Old Testament quite easy to read. All you do is just keep Jesus and everything and you'll be fine. Everywhere you read the word law, just put Jesus' name in it. It'll change everything for you. And you start to understand he's an incredible God of love. He's an amazing God of love. But I contend the church has been asleep. We've been fighting the wrong battle. We've been talking more about what we get, what we want, what we think the church is, rather than going out and being the church and be what the church was supposed to be. People said, why did we close our doors in COVID? We never closed our doors because the doors of the church are right here. I think the church needs to gather once a week. I think this is an important thing because the Bible makes it very clear. But folks, this isn't the church. This is the church when we go out there. This is a part of it. I need you, you need me. And this is our time to get together and pray for one another and encourage one another. and Let God speak into our lives so we can go back into the world and be exactly where we're supposed to be, light. Light in our city, especially in a very dark time. Amen to that? So wake up, look around, Jesus said. The fields are ripe for harvest. Jesus said in Matthew 6, the eyes are the lamp of the body, the eyes are. What you see is really what you get. When you look at people, why is it that we see them as obstacles in our way of getting where we need to go rather than opportunities of the very thing that God's trying to put in our path and we keep thinking they need to go away. Jesus said, open your eyes. It's your lamp. If your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. But if these eyes are good, 
So here we have in this story, Jesus teaching, I already told you, the place is packed. His popularity had grown, but in the crowd is this woman. 18 years, she'd been crippled. 18 years, she'd been bent over. 18 years, unable to stand up. 18 years, and Jesus notices Jesus sees her. This is a big deal. You might want to write this down. Attention. Attention is one of the most powerful forces in the world that you can give someone. Attention. Here's a thought, men. What if we would have treated our spouse when we dated her the way we do today? Would it be a different relationship? I contend it might be. What if we treat our children and our families and those closest to us the way we drive? Did Jesus drive the way we drive today? Attention. When you give someone your attention, it's one of the most amazing things. And I'm not talking about sitting in front of the television or remote control and our kids are trying to speak to us. Many of you know we were on vacation down at Disney and we had one of these conversations and my 10-year-old says, well, dad, you do that to me sometimes. I'm like, oh, that hurt. Instead of offering an excuse, I said, you know, I think I have, haven't I? Yeah, I have. You get focused on something. It's just like you're talking to a wall. Oh, man. It's a good looking wall though, don't you think? (laughs) Let's find something good here. Did you know, watch this. Did you know there's 2.9 billion monthly, ready for this? Let me say it again. There are 2.9 billion monthly active users on Facebook. That's 35.6% of our world are actively on Facebook. I don't even know how we made it 20 years ago. Do you? I I just find this interesting that we're always talking about how bad the world is and no one seems to put together that 20 years ago, we didn't have this stupid little thing called a phone that we become a God to and that we can't live without. Someone can't seem to put together that we're more isolated than we've ever been. Have we ever got to the fact that maybe we've got something wrong here? So instead of Instead of stopping and asking that question and looking at it, we then justify it. 2.9 billion monthly active users on Facebook. Did you know there are over 1.1 billion monthly active users on TikTok? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Any of, anybody my age like trying to still figure that one out? TikTok to me is a clock. Is that right? You know what I mean? Why are you, why are you just keep looking at the clock, you know? One billion monthly active users on Instagram. And do you know why? Now watch this. Do you know why people are doing that? Do you know why this is so big? People want to be noticed. People are trying every way they can. The whole point of TikTok, you can do whatever you want with it. Look at me. Look, look, hey. See, see, I'm committed to believe. If you think this needs to change, then this is what we're going to have to learn to do and say, I see you. See, see I, I, I've seen families. Anybody seen families sitting out at a restaurant and they're all on their phone? Mom and dad? Put your phone away and look at your kids. See, that's when it changes. We get back to what Jesus noticed her. This place is packed and Jesus noticed. I'm like, God, I want to have those eyes. I got to do a better job because I don't do that very well. I'm a very focused person. If you haven't noticed, I'm very driven. I can get like this so easily. I like being by myself. 
And so it's very, I, I have, I, and some of you are going, yep, it's about time he admits it. I don't know. <laughs> about time you start looking at your attitude. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jesus in heaven going, it's about time, Keith. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm just being honest with you. I've been guilty. I've had people had to point it out. And I'm like, wow, I know I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I just got to keep working and keep working on it. Cause we're in the people business. Are we not? I mean that Jesus is people want to be noticed. So, so write these down. I don't know if they're in your notes or not, but a couple of things I want to note here just real quickly, just in the story. Okay. There are all kinds of people wanting to be noticed. Would you agree with that? They're hungry to be noticed. I think that's a lot to do with a lot of the tattoos and a lot of the piercings and things like that. And so instead of people going, man, you know, cause I, I do, I, I look at some people think they're like, what are you going to look like when you're 80? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know, you know, maybe I don't know. I mean, it's your, your body, you know, but you forget you're going to be 80, you know, but you know, I, I mean, I just, I just think it's funny, you know, it's like, and, and your arm says, I'm bad. You know? You know, I, I just, I just cracks me up. We were, we actually saw that when we were at Disney, man, this big old deal. I'm bad. And I'm thinking someday he's going to be like, well, (laughs) I just, I don't know, you know, to try to get a few other letters in there and say, I'm bored. (laughs) But people want to be noticed. Would you agree with that? Here's number two. You ready for this? We're going to have to slow down to see him. There's a pace our world's running. You ready for this? It's not God's. If you're in a hurry, you're not in step with God. If you've got a, tough, a ton of things to do, you're not getting done, you're not in step with God. In fact, can I press a little bit? If you've got more to do than you have time to get done, and you're praying for God for more time to get things done rather than to be with him, taking all the time, you're out of step with God. And my guess is you're not okay here. That's why you're always in a hurry because you're still looking for something to give you that purpose. I just stop and think about this for a moment. If you accomplish everything you've wanted to accomplish, do you really think you're going to stand before God and he's going to go, come on, way to go. Yeah, you demand. Do you really think God's going to say that? Nothing is more important to God than people. Nothing's more important to God than people. And when we're in a hurry, we miss details, do we not? I mean, I grew up with a mom and dad that said, you know, we were always like, are we there yet? We there yet? And my mom and dad be like, look out the window. And we'd look out the window. We there yet? You know, I mean, we didn't get it. It's like the destination is not what it's about. It's the journey. Is it not? It's the journey. And I think of all my memories. It's interesting. All my memories of my family with my mom and dad are always in the journey. Our bus that he turned into a camper, a motor home. That was our motor home. It was a school bus. And my dad painted green. And he built bunk beds in it and stuff. And that was our, I mean, that was our motor home. And it was like the, it was the coolest thing in the world. And I remember all of the, all of the memories in there. It was so cool. I mean, he even had a, a porta potty in there. And my dad was brilliant. You know how you have to, like a motor home stay, you have to empty them. He just cut the hole straight down to the highway. <laughs> my dad was brilliant. <laughs> so, so here's my challenge. What, what, what can you do this week? What can you do this week? Just this week. Here's my challenge to slow down and look around and pray. God, help me slow down, slow down, slow down. I just want to see people help me see them slow down. Here's number two, take a risk, take a risk. What's that? Are we at number three? What was no, 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 no. The first one, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Help me. Let me help you here. Okay. The first one is look around. Okay. Point A, people want to be noticed. Point B, we're going to have to slow down. 
That's one. All right. Ever who wrote my notes is an idiot. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and that would be me. Everybody look up here. See? Now you know what an idiot looks like, okay? Number two, take a risk, okay? Isn't it crazy? Like, I'm trying to speak on behalf of God, and you're like, no, that's number three. <laughs> Isn't that just crazy? I mean, have you ever, you ever noticed that? It's like, there's a misspelled word right, right here. Take a risk. Because here, here's the fact, especially today. To love as Jesus loved in this world is risky. Let me say it again. To love as Jesus loved in this world is risky. Because here, here's, here's the facts you need to know. You won't, might be rejected. You will be rejected. If they rejected Jesus, and that's Jesus, they're going to reject us. And it doesn't mean you got it wrong. See, I think too often when we feel rejection, because I've been guilty of it, when you feel rejection, you tend to want to look in the mirror and go, what did I do? But maybe you did exactly what God wanted you to do. But the gospel right now in this world, especially this country, is offensive. I'm saddened by that, but it's just true. You might drop a pass. Not only will you be rejected, you're probably going to get it wrong. You might fumble a ball, but here's the deal. When people go to the football game, you ready for this? They don't pay the price to watch them stand in huddles. Did you know that? They're in the huddle more than they play the game. But people go to watch them play the game, which means it's risky. I don't think we understand as fans. Put yourself into the shoes of these greats, of which we're not, because that's why we're not in the field. But boy, we know how they should play the game, don't we? But we fail to understand when they go up to the line of scrimmage, they got 11 dudes on the line that, man, they can, have, they can do it, right? But there's 11 on the other side that don't like them. And they're just as good. But that's why we go. We watch them want to play. That's why it saddens me when your team's losing, you leave early. Because I believe those players still deserve your applause whether they win or lose. That's sad to me, because but it's about me. Well, if they're not going to win, I'm going to get out of here so I don't stand in the parking lot. You know, I mean, it's just like, wow, we got to stop that. If you pay the price, go. They're on here getting ready, right? They're getting ready to snap the ball. That's risky. Because when they throw the pass, the other dude might pick it off. But even the great Tom Brady has thrown some interceptions. But I don't know about you. I want him on my team. That's why I'm cheering for him this year. <laughs> Folks, it's risky. But we got to get up the line of scrimmage and snap the ball. Theodore Roosevelt, we all know it, but listen to it. Look at what he wrote. This is with a former president of the United States, if you will, writing and helping our people understand. Bar fed, bar, watch this. Far better to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by defeat, by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits, the timid who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Do you know what he's saying? God bless those who walk with conviction rather than think it's about comfort. Get into the game. See, I, don't, I, I just don't understand it. Well, the Dallas Cowboys just suck. They just suck. Minnesota Vikings, they just suck. Okay, it's probably true, okay? <laughs> but, but please hear this. I'll play for them this year if you want, want to sign one of those contracts that they pay. I don't care. You can tell me I suck all the time. <laughs> You suck. Yeah, I eat at different places than you do. <laughs> you suck. You ever seen my car? You know, I mean, I, you, you, I mean, I don't get it. 
I just don't understand it. See, C.S. Lewis was right. To love is to be vulnerable. But can I tell you this? I'd rather lose big, risking it all, than to win big and live status quo. You need to know how I I think. I'd rather risk it all and lose. I don't don't want to build a big church. Some people have accused me of that, but that's because they've never sat down and spent time with me. Shame on them. For them to judge me when they don't even know me. I serve a big God and I want to build the kingdom as big as I can. And I'll risk it all, even if I lose big. I will be perfectly thrilled by the sheer fact if all of a sudden this place is empty and I'm trying everything I can for the sake of the kingdom, then to cater to a crowd and have this place packed and be comfortable. God deserves better than that. I think, I think the cross, he risked it all, didn't he? See, it's been said, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. You'll never be criticized. What a terrible way to live. See, I want you to write this down. No cross, no resurrection. You want to experience the resurrection? You're going to have to die. And that's risky, but it's worth it. Thanksgiving Day, 1964. It was a day of mourning for Angeline Tucker. You have no idea who I'm talking about, I know. 1964, true day in history, Thanksgiving Day. She woke up that morning knowing that her husband, J.W. Tucker, had been killed, along with 60s others, brutally, by Congo rebels. You see, he had served as a missionary since 1939 to them. As you can imagine, she was devastated. That morning, she was full of fear. For she knew that her three children herself, her co-workers, Gail Winters and Lillian Hogan, who also had their husbands killed, were in grave danger. Not knowing what was ahead, she prayed for protection and that God would answer, and he did. Later that day, a rescue operation brought the Tuckers and their co-workers to safety in the town of Leopoldville. Now, you might expect, overwhelmed by the loss of her husband, she would want nothing to do with the Congo. And yet, one year later, when it was safe to return, she did just that. And she worked tirelessly to ensure that her loss would be Congo's gain. Here's what she writes. If Jesus tarries, there should be a wonderful harvest of souls in all the Northeast Congo. For we truly believe that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of his church. She took a risk. She did something. A risk, by the way, doesn't become a risk until you act upon it, right? It's the difference between a dream and a fantasy. And so what was Jesus' risk? He spoke to her. That was his risk. The power of words. In a time when a woman like that, let alone a woman of all, but now 18 years, it was understood that you stay away from them. It was enough for her to be out in public, but the unbelievable disgrace for anyone to speak to her, let alone a man. And yet Jesus in a crowded room He steps out because that's what love does. And he risks. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 18? There's life and death in the tongue. Mother Teresa said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. So I want you to look at verse 16 and notice what Jesus says. Daughter of Abraham. I want you to think about this. 18 years It was understood back then that anyone who was suffering must have deep sin in their life. Either sin of their parents passed down or something that she had done. 18 years, she'd been under that understanding. She'd been pushed away by the church, not allowed to be in the church, neglected by all, 
all she ever knew, and she stuck out, you can imagine, 18 years. And Jesus doesn't just say woman. He says, and he never does this anywhere else in scripture. But he says, why shouldn't she, this woman, a daughter of Abraham? He goes right back to where it all began with the Jews. The father of all fathers. This is one of his girls. This is one of his babies. This is what it's all about. See, when it comes to God, you and I have pipe of purpose. We have title. Amen. It's such a beautiful moment. You know, I read one of those human interest stories about a woman who had dealt with deep emotional and physical struggles enough that she thought many times about taking her life. She had come out of it. A news team thought it was miraculous and said, we want to interview you. And so as they were covering her story, she talked about how her daughter had been a tremendous source of encouragement and strength for that dark time. At that, she got up from the interview and asked everyone to follow her upstairs into her bedroom, into her bathroom. And she showed them what her daughter had written on her mirror in the early days of her struggle. And here's what her daughter wrote. Mom, the best gift I could give you is the gift to be able to see yourself as I see you. You're my hero. And she said it was those words that carried me through. The power of words, words matter. And so here's what I want to do. I want to quickly give you a gift. On your chair was one of these colored cards. If you don't like the color, exchange it from somebody next to you or just take it and hand them yours. Um, <laughs> but see, we can talk till we want to talk, but now I want to give you an opportunity. I'm asking you to think of someone who needs to hear your encouragement. I had a friend this week who's in this room. Because some things that God's doing in my life that are so beautiful. And I reached out to him and he wrote me an incredible email that I just wept when I read. Power of words. So here's what I want you to do at the top. Just write today. You came in mind. And I want to let you know. And then you fill it in. Doesn't have to be long. But who right now in your world? Could it be your boss? Could it be an employee? Could it be your spouse? Could it be one of your children? Could it be a friend? Who needs to hear from you? Because even silence can be one of the most destructive things that you can ever give someone. Who is it? You reach out and you simply say, today you came in mind and I wanted to let you know. Fill in the rest. Who is it? If you need to borrow a pen, just put your hand up right now. Maybe as I'm preaching, you'll get checking out. Well, you can fill it in then. Just put your hand up. We have people who would love to bring a pen around. You don't have to give it back either. Just take it with you. If you borrow it, keep it. So... <laughs> But just, just put your hand up. Write someone a card. Because if you don't do, it's not love. Love does. But he not only spoke to her, Jesus did something. He took his risk one step farther. He touched her. You know, when I was in elementary school, some of you don't know this, in southern Nebraska, a terrible outbreak of disease swept through our school. I've never forgotten this. It caused a lot of fear. No one wanted to be around anyone. It's almost like COVID. It was highly contagious, far more than the chicken pox or the measles, and it would spread like wildfire. Unbelievable fear. I'm not sure many how many people contracted it exactly, but once they did, everyone knew, and everyone stayed away. It was called cooties. <laughs> How many ever had that in their elementary school? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. 
Once you had it, oh, wow, it changed your life, did it not? See, I know, now you might go, oh, my goodness, that's a little fictitious, right? Yeah, just kids being kids. I remember in that town, Wilbur, Nebraska, and it was a summer day, and we were at the public pool, because that was what we did back then. Place was packed with kids, and, and Kathy Wade showed up. She had a nickname. She didn't have just cooties. She was from a very poor family, and she was always known as Wado Potato. It was funny. Everybody stayed away. She showed up at the pool that day. It's just kids, right? Isn't that how we justify it? She had got up on the high dive, and someone yelled out, Wado Potato, and all the kids got out of the water as fast as they could before she got in it. It's just kids, right? I've tried to follow up on that, and as near as I can tell, somewhere in life, she decided to take hers. But it's just kids playing, right? See, here's the deal. We all need human touch. That's why I'm greatly concerned about this thing called COVID. I'm not trying to encourage anything, but I'm greatly concerned because you and I were not made to live in isolation. We were not made to be touchless and we were definitely not made to hide behind a mask. I fear because I get the whole understanding of wanting to see grandkids or wanting to see my daughters get married. I get all that. I understand that. I'm not encouraging anything. But I stop and think about God, I need wisdom. I need help. Because I, I, I want to be a team player and I want to I wanna, I wanna be a part of the solution, yet I don't want to also aid to the problem. Because I really believe what I said last week. I think the wave of the crisis hasn't even gotten to us yet. And that's the crisis of people living in loneliness and separation. The aged, I stop and think about, we're praying for a solution and a cure, but there's never been really one in the entire human race when it comes to what we really need except Jesus, and that's the cure in the heart. And I think of all of the elderly homes here in town where people can't even, family and some, some around the world can't even go see their loved ones. And I just fear that. I'm concerned about that. Because we all need human touch. Did you know that? But we've been hurt, so our natural tendency is to do this, which is the wrong thing. And then we're playing right into the devil's hand. And then COVID comes along, and I just wonder if the devil's like, yeah. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me. Be a little different, wouldn't it be? <laughs> he said he loved me behind a door with glass with gloves on. <laughs> and oh, the joy that flooded my soul. He stayed as far as he could away so he wouldn't have to pay. <laughs> There's something about those words. He touched me, isn't it? When you get to heaven, how many here would love Jesus to walk up and then go, oh, hey, glad you're here. How many hope he'd hug you? <laughs> I just, I do something that if Jesus could touch me, and Jesus touched her. Studies have concluded that people who experience meaningful touch live longer. Did you know that? People who experience meaningful touch not only get it, but give it, will live longer, making it possible that Pastor Reed could live to be 150. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I only hope, man. You ever been to one of those stores where there's China and there's a sign that says, do not touch? I'm thinking about printing 
if you will, but I think I'll probably get sued. You know what I mean? Printing shirts that says, please touch. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to walk around and go, you can touch this. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Go ahead, touch. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You know what I mean? I just think, man, there's something about it. So what risks do you need to take to reach out, to dish out this week some hugs, a handshake, a high five? What do we need to do? Here's number three, and it'll be real quick and then we'll wrap this up. Expect criticism. I don't even know if this is a challenge, but more reality. Verse 14 and 15 says, indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath. I just want you to think how crazy this is. Hey, G, hey, G, over here. Hey. We don't do miracles, man. <laughs> we don't do healings in church. You come to the church, man. You don't touch someone, you know, you just stay away. Now, Monday through Friday, maybe even Saturday, you can go out and do that stuff. Not in church. Wow. I want you to look what G says. You hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free? You know what the answer is? You better believe it. I just find it interesting that when Jesus addresses them, the first word picture that comes to his mind is that of a donkey. Now, you do what you want with it, okay? <laughs> I just think, I just find that interesting. But here's the deal. When you risk and step out to love, not everyone's going to applaud you. But we're in the people business, not the popularity business. We're in the people business, not the political business. We're in the people business. You're going to be criticized, but here's number four. But, you all know how much I love big butts, okay? But seize the moment, amen? Today is the day. Folks, in a world where there's no free lunch, no free ride, no cutting in line, an eye in eye, and a tooth for a tooth, or as the great philosopher Norm from Cheers says, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world and I'm wearing milk-bone underwear, okay? Right? What a time to be Jesus. What a time to be Jesus. We've got to build bridges. We don't need to react. We don't need to get all wrapped up in all this political stuff. This is a time to be God's bride, his church, reach out, love, do the incredible risky thing, but the much needed thing. Someone cuts in line, let them cut. I was at the fair the other day. And I, I was having fun. Evidently, there's a video out there. I went to the bumper cars where all the little kids were. I trashed them. I just want you to understand. I was trashing them. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, you put your hand behind that wheel. Come on, buddy. You know what I mean? So I was out there. And then some other dad joined me. It was great. It was awesome. Kids are crying. It was awesome. But, and so, I, uh, so, so I'm out there. But we, we went over to another ride. And, and I was watching as these kids were sneaking in. They were just kind of like... You know, see if no one noticed, and all of a sudden they go, mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, everybody else is doing it. They got to me, and I was like, come on, come on. You obviously like this stuff more than me, you know, and we just, we were able to have a little conversation, just a little conversation. I think a little awkward, because there's this grown man, right? But it was fun. Then we sat on the ride, and I got on the ride, and I sat down, and I looked and said, listen, you're not a screamer, are you? Ah, I never scream. I said, if you're going to vomit, go that way on your buddies, okay? You know, which didn't help because the ride goes this way, which means you to vomit. Even if you went here, it's coming here. You know what I mean? But we had a nice little conversation, folks. What a time to reach out, take a risk, seize the moment. What a time to do something. I'm going to invite the team out, but there's a song that was written by a woman whose family had been torn apart. It's a song written by a woman whose family had been torn apart. Here's what she writes. Oh, the love I would have shown if I'd only known this was going to be the last time. Oh, the love I would have shown if only known what was coming. See, you know how you fix the future? You change the present. See, if you don't want to have your family come apart, then you make your family a priority now. 
You don't wait for your wife or your husband to have an affair. You do everything you can to make sure if they're going to have one, they're going to have it with you. See, those are the ways you build things. You press in now. You don't wait. Because Satan's pressing in now. And he's tearing people up. And we don't need to argue. I'm sure there's things that you think I ought to wear and shouldn't wear. I'm sure there's things I should say or shouldn't say. I'm sure if you were up here, there'd people have that same thing. Listen, I'm not arguing that. I'm okay with it. I want to get better. I want to do everything I can that the gospel of Jesus would go forth. But this is a moment not to correct, but to connect. This is a moment to be out in the world and help people experience the love of Jesus. So when we're at restaurants today, have a conversation. Remember I mentioned about the tattoos? Instead of judging someone, I sit there and I spend time and I ask questions and I learn stories. Every time one of our waiters or waitresses come up, I, I see, I look for the tattoo. It seems to be a common. I almost wonder when you interview, if they go, do you have tattoos? Nope. Uh, you can't work here. You know, because I mean, it just seems to be that. So I always, because it seems to always be a story. It's been crazy amazing. The stories I've learned. People share and go, well, I did this for my mom. Well, what's that stand for? Well, she was battling cancer and a year ago she died. I never want to forget. Wow. What's this one for? This is for my son. I love my son. This is why I'm working this job because I need the money right now because I'm working to get, get him back. He's in foster care right now, but I love him and, I, and he needs his mommy. I remember that one got me crying. He needs his mommy and I'm doing everything I can. So I look at this every day. I wait at tables and, and it's not even about the money. It's about making sure that mommy's getting healthy because I know that day's coming. So I'm reminded, I see his name and I just keep going to mommy. Mommy can do this. We can do this. It's just beautiful. The stories after stories, it's awesome. So I just ask. It's cool. Here, let me show you mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the story about the Congo? The Magbatu tribe. That was the name of that tribe that killed her husband. She went back. See, they were resistant to the gospel when Jay ministered to them. But see, his death became the catalyst for so many of them to accept the gospel. One of Tucker's converts became the police chief of Ganga, which was the homeland of the Magatus. The police chief told the people about Tucker's murder and that his body was thrown into the river. You see, their culture considered the land and the rivers to be theirs personally, and since his blood had flowed through the rivers, they believed that they must listen to the message that it carried. So he told them about Jesus. There's his wife. And they tell them how Jesus died for their sins and a great revival began to sweep because of his great risk. Thousands decided to follow Christ and now 57 years later, nearly 600,000 people have given their lives to Christ because of the sacrifice of J.W. Tucker and his wife. I want people to know Jesus. I believe you do too. I believe this is the greatest time for God's church to build bridges. And I believe you do too. That's why our card this week is others. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. That others could know Christ. Who are they? That we can build a bridge to. God, send me. God, send me. But more importantly, he already has. Let's go be sent. And let's go build bridges. Father, there are people in our city that you love. <laughs> Some maybe we don't. Maybe we've let the way they vote, the way they think, the way they do, the way they look, whatever it is, the way they act. We've let that put a chasm between us. God, forgive us.
But today's a new day. And today we can build bridges. Bridges that say, listen, I love you. Might be a bridge that says, listen, I'm sorry. But it's a bridge that steps forward, lays down its own life and says, how can I help? What can I do? It learns to listen. We're going to talk more about that next week. It learns to listen and just love. Instead of thinking we have to share the answer right now, may we just be the answer. God, today we're going to meet people. They're not like us, but they're people that you love deeply like us. And may we love as you love. Help us to see, to step out, do something, take a risk. To just recognize some people won't agree. That's okay. We don't have to react to it, but we're going to seize the moment today. This is the day you made. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.